Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everybody, to Lesson 3 of the Healing Virtues Teleclass on the code, the Animal Reiki Code of Ethics. And um, I'm very excited to go deeper and deeper into this Code of Ethics each week. And so um, I want to start tonight with... Um, this is a meditation from my Everything Animal Reiki book, if some of you may have that book already. And it's from page 54. It's called The Bright Light Meditation. And we're just going to do a short meditation with this, really to just get our set our intention and to kind of guide our mind's focus in a very specific way. When we start training our mind in this way, which is not really the way that we normally think about healing and when something's wrong with our animal. We normally have a very directed, like, oh, let's fix this, let's do this, you know, we got to... So with Reiki, there's a kind of a more meditative, open state of mind. And so this bright light meditation is something we'll do right now just for a few minutes, but you can also sit with this um, for, you know, a whole half an hour Um, if you like, and just revisiting the image. So um, let's find a comfortable position to sit for this meditation and just relax your shoulders, relax your arms and your legs, and close your eyes and take a nice deep cleansing breath and let it out slowly. And I'd like you to bring to mind an animal that you'd like to share healing with tonight. So see them here with you right now. And feel your connection. And you might have in your mind You know, all the qualities of your animal, the things you love about them. And maybe there's also a healing issue. But I'd like you now to sort of step back from your own understanding of the things that need healing. And I want you to remember that you are already filled with the light and wisdom of the healing energy of the universe. And so just visualize yourself shining bright with this energy that radiates from your entire being. Your whole body is radiating every cell, this bright, shining, healing light and wisdom energy of the universe. And it's coming out of your physical body And it's shining through your emotional and mental body. And it's shining out into your spiritual body so that every part of you radiates the compassion and wisdom of the universe and the ultimate healing power. And I just want you to set your intent to support your animal in whatever way they wish so that all of your light, which is flowing, can support them. They can step into that light, step into that space to heal and realize that the healing journey is beyond your conscious understanding. And so allow this beautiful bright light to purify your mind of worries, concerns, needing to fix, needing to control the situation. Just shine and feel all the worries and concerns just dissolving into the light so that your mind can relax and expand, becoming peaceful and quiet. And just allowing the energy to flow and glow 
and radiate. And just inviting your animal to share that space. Relax your mind. And just radiate the light from every part of your being. And take a few nice deep breaths. As thoughts come up, just let them go like clouds floating by. Relax your mind so that it's open like the sky. And just shine. And so now, take a moment to thank your animal for their openness and connection to you. In this beautiful Reiki space. And when you're ready, take a nice deep cleansing breath. And setting your attention to finish, slowly come back and open your eyes. So I love this meditation because it's very simple, um, but it's very powerful. And it's something that if you can do, just take five minutes and do it, or you can actually sit with it for, you know, a full 30 to 60 minutes, you know, with your animal. We just remember to shine our light. It's it's very, very powerful, Um, not just because your animal can sense and feel that light and step into it to help them when they need support, but also because by shining our light, we are mirroring back the animal's own perfect self and their own inner essence, so that if they're going through something that's difficult, they can remember all of their inner power inside, which is very helpful for them to be able to heal themselves. So it's a very powerful, um, remember we did the breath of light, which is the Hara breathing um, last week, which is kind of one of the most important Reiki meditations. So this is kind of a, um, a, a, a takeoff on that in a way. It's a way to help you to relax your mind and open your mind. Because as I said, our you know, first thought is to focus on what's wrong and what needs healing. And when we're working with animals, because they're so sensitive, that's actually the opposite of what we want to do. (laughs) And it's hard to understand how can I help them if I don't focus on what's wrong. But when we realize um, the vast wisdom and compassion of the universe, and that there is such um, a, a flow of healing that is guided beyond our understanding, then when we learn to trust that, we can let go and not have to control things quite so much. And we actually become more helpful to the animal, letting go of all of that control. So um, I think this bright light meditation is a great thing to do before you do a treatment. For example, if you volunteer at a shelter, before you go into the shelter, sit in your car, do this bright light meditation, Remember, you are the light, you're shining bright, relaxing your mind. And then when you walk into the shelter, you're in a space where you'll be able to see more clearly the bright lights of the animals. You'll be able to radiate all of this healing and 
hopefully not get knocked over so much by, you know, the stress and um, sadness that you may feel. So in this section, moving on to the section of code of ethics that we're going to be working with, this week's section starts with the statement, in working with the animals, I follow these guidelines. So to go through each point of the code of ethics for this section um, of working with animals, we're really going to focus on the guidelines for animal Reiki sessions because that's um, really the focus of this part of the code of ethics. We're going to talk a lot about different um, parts of working with animals. And um, of course, we started with this meditation because we want to be in a, in a really good space before we even go into that session. So going back to the code of ethics, so the guidelines, the very first code of ethics guideline is, I work in partnership with the animal. So what does that mean to be a partner? It means that you have to work together. You have to listen to each other. You have to respond back and forth on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. So we're not just doing our session to the animal. We've got to learn to listen. And again, this is what I always say. This is about being Reiki with our animals, not doing Reiki to our animals. And the key here, the key to this is meditation. So how do we work in partnership with the animal? We realize that Reiki with animals is meditating with animals for healing. So, as I said, before we approach the animal for a session, we want to center ourselves for a few minutes using a meditation. So you can use this bright light meditation. You, if there's another, if you want to do the breath of light meditation or if there's another one that, uh, Reiki meditation that, you know, the five precepts or whatever it is that helps you to really get centered and balanced. That's really helpful. One of the things that I've heard from shelter staff um, is they'll say, well, what we try to do is we try to leave all of our baggage and emotional stuff at the door when we walk into the shelter. And I think that's a really great philosophy, but it's not really so easy to do. So focusing inward on a meditation practice can help keep your energy centered and balanced and your state of mind open and calm these inner qualities are key in whether or not the animal chooses to connect heart-to-heart -heart with you for healing. So it's another reason why I feel, um, well, I'm so excited. I feel so proud and happy that um, my nonprofit, Sarah, Shelter Animal Reiki Association, that we teach so many shelter staff and volunteers around the world Reiki because it really will make a difference in their ability to stay centered and balanced and, and really in a receptive place so they can be of more help to the animals. The animals can um, really be supported even more deeply than they already are. And also, um, Reiki meditation isn't just good for the animals. It's good for us. So, you know, animal caregivers, whether it's um, professional um, people like um, veterinarians or whether it is, you know, shelter staff, there's a very high rate of burnover, burnout and turnover, <laughs> and there's also a very high rate of compassion fatigue. And so practicing these meditations will also heal your compassion fatigue. So it's good for everybody, for the animals and for us. So before we approach the animal, we're centering ourselves on using the meditation. If you're working with animals throughout the day, that's something that you can keep bringing yourself back to. And then when you're ready to do, you know, a formal Reiki session, you need to find a comfortable position to meditate in the presence of the animal. So I like to say, you know, settle yourself maybe five to ten feet away from the animal. That's kind of a good place to start. Um, but at the same time, that depends on the comfort of the animal. So if it's a feral cat, that might be too close. Um, if it's a family 
animal, like a family dog that, you know, loves to sit with you, then that's probably perfect. Um, even if it's a cat that usually sits on your lap, I, I would never go pick up a cat and put them on my lap for a Reiki session. We always want to start a little bit further away because we want to honor their choice. So when people think of meditation, like when I say Reiki is meditating with your animals for healing, a lot of people think, well, how does that work? You know, I have to sit down on a meditation bench. I have to close my eyes, whatever. Well, that is a more formal way of meditating, but I'm going to share with you three different ways to meditate. One is the formal meditation, but two of them are more informal, and all of them count as meditation. Because meditation is about your state of mind and your, your mind's focus and your open heart and your, your presence, your open-hearted, compassionate presence. That's the space that meditation gets us to. So we can do that when we're sitting, standing, or walking. And when we're with our animals, we don't want to go so inward with our practice that we are not a good partner. Because remember, a Reiki session is about partnership. So... For this type of meditation, if we're talking about sitting meditation, then we're going to be sitting still. You might be on the floor. You might be on a chair. It depends on the situation and your own physical comfort. Um, If you close your eyes, I recommend that you open them periodically in order to observe the animal's behavior and make sure that they're comfortable. And if they're asking you to come closer or they've left the room, you're sort of aware of that. you might want to purchase a meditation bench because they can be more comfortable than just sitting on the, the floor. And so I recommend meditationbench.com. They have a great selection. Um, if you have a certain sacred quiet space in your home where you can go and sit with your animals, that's great. And you can put, um, you can make like a little area where you put objects that are special to you to make it sacred, like photos of loved ones, or statues or crystals that have a special meaning to you, uh, maybe a vase of flowers or a candle or incense, music. You know, when you sit down to do a formal meditation, all of these um, special items can help support you in going deeper into your inner space. And your animals in your home will probably, that will be their favorite space in the house as well, and they'll want to come sit with you when you do this. So this is a wonderful way to do a formal sitting meditation for your Reiki practice. But with animals, they're always teaching me, hey, Kathleen, don't be so serious because we know as animals, we're wise and we know that meditation is life and life is meditation. So try to meditate when you're standing. Don't just sit in your special room that's all quiet with music. So my horse, for example, says, hey, mom, I want you to come and meditate with me when I'm grazing in the pasture or when I'm in my stall eating my dinner. And so I'll stand with my horse and I'll connect deeply with the earth and I'll find actually that all the natural elements around me, the trees and the flowers and the birds and, you know, the, the little critters, you know, ladybugs and all these little things that I notice when I'm standing out in the pasture with my horse, things that I maybe am not always quite so tuned into the beauty of nature and being present in this moment. And all I can hear is my horse, you know, chomping on the grass. And it's the most peaceful, beautiful time for us to be together. That is a wonderful place for to do my Reiki meditation while I'm standing. And so it will be, uh, and again, it's about my mind focus, my open heart. So I can do the same practice standing in the pasture. When I'm with my horse, if I'm in with him, I always keep my eyes open out of safety Um, even though he's very safe, but, you know, horses can spook or they can accidentally step on your foot. You always want to kind of stay aware. Um, If you want to stand outside of the stall or outside the pasture, then you can close your eyes. But, again, remember to open them periodically to see how your horse or the animal, if you're maybe working with another type of barnyard animal, like a goat or a pig or a cow or chickens or geese or something, You can kind of have your eyes open as well so you can see how they're responding to your Reiki meditation. And again, all being outdoors, you'll find even if having your eyes open at first seems a little harder to meditate, but you'll find that being in nature makes it easier. So I think you'll see that it makes up for the 
the um, distraction of having your eyes open, but all the natural beauty will bring you back to your center. So standing meditation is a second great way to do your Reiki practice with animals. The third is a walking meditation. And actually, this is a very common practice um, for um, Buddhist monks is to do walking meditation. So we can also do this meditation with our Reiki meditation. So we do the same focus for our mind, the same practice, whether it is the breath of light or the five precepts meditation or any other Reiki meditation that you are doing. Maybe you're chanting or whatever you're doing. And for that, you find a place to walk that's fairly quiet. You can focus on the nature around you. And if you're walking your dog, you can imagine you're connected by your heart, not by the leash. And um, if you're, you can also do this without your dog. If you don't have a dog, you can do it just in nature and just embrace the nature around you, the trees and the flowers and the plants and the earth and the sky and the birds and all of the nature around you. If you're with your dog, then you can also sort of notice your dog's presence in the moment because dogs are very good teachers of how to not be living in the past or the future but to be here right now. <laughs> so this will help you to bring you back um, doing this walking meditation with your dog. It's a little more difficult if you do it in a place where there are a lot of people, there's a lot of interruptions or your dog's greeting other dogs and you have to kind of keep your wits about you um, and be a little more interactive, then it's more difficult. But if you can find a quiet place where it's just you and your dog walking or just you walking, then um, even though at first it might feel like, wow, it's really hard for me to move my body and stay in the meditation, over time it will get easier. And one of the um, teachings that Thich Nhat Hanh gives, which I always tell my Reiki students when we do walking meditations in class, that I always recommend they imagine. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh says, that you should walk on the earth as, um, as if each foot is kissing the earth. So each step, your foot is kissing the earth. And that's because the earth is your mother. You're walking on your mother. So you walk with that kind of love and attentiveness and, um, and gentleness. And I think that's such a beautiful way to walk when we do our Reiki meditation, to think of um, of that appreciation for the ground under your feet. So, um, so all of those things um, work together with our uh, meditation and helping us to be in partnership with the animal wherever they are. So we're going where they are, outdoors. We're not necessarily requiring them to be in our space unless they want to be. So we have to learn to be more flexible in our meditation. Okay, so that leads us back to the next part of the Code of Ethics, the next point in our Code of Ethics. And this says, always ask permission of the animal before beginning and respect his or her decision to accept or refuse any treatment. I listen intuitively and observe the animal's body language in determining the response. So, People often ask me questions about permission. We talk a lot about it in my level one, two, and three classes that I teach. And so I wanted to talk a little bit tonight about what permission means to me because I use different words. Sometimes I use the word permission, which means that I might say, would you like some Reiki today? And I might say it out loud. I might say it in my heart sort of when I greet the animal. depends on the situation whether I would say it out loud or not, but I would sort of have that question and I would wait to see the animal's response. If they seem comfortable with my presence, um, happy I'm there, that's a yes. If they're sort of indifferent, they're not really paying attention to me, that means maybe. And if they are really uh, upset with my presence and not happy about it, then uh, that might be a no. I might give it a few minutes to see if they're saying no because they're afraid I'm going to do something to them, like in the case of an abused animal, when they first see a person walking towards them, they just freak out. Um, so I will give an animal like that a few minutes to settle down when they feel the energy of the meditation and realize I'm not doing anything to them and I'm not asking anything of them and I'm not pushing anything on them. Normally, they'll really quiet down. And um, on my homepage, I have put up that um, 
at AnimalReikiSource.com, I put up that video of the before and after treatment at the Devoted Barn, and that's a great example of how you can see animals that the day one were barking and really aggravated by our presence, but it wasn't really that they didn't want Reiki. It was that they were very fearful of who we are because they have um, feral dogs and severely traumatized abused dogs there at Devoted Barn. They do amazing things um, with these dogs. Um, so when 14 strangers walked into their space, they got very nervous and afraid. So it, it sort of took us that first afternoon to sort of convince them, we're not here to hurt you. Um, and when we got deeper into our meditation, they were able to really see us as a beautiful bright light and not as a human being that they might associate um, with um, abuse or fear. And so it was really interesting to see how Reiki helped us soften our humanness and help us to meet in a deeper space. So with permission, um, there can be um, kind of progress um, over time for, for abused animals. Um, and, and thinking about our openness of mind and not pushing anything on them is really key. And if you do have an animal, I've been in a situation where a horse put his ears back and was like, I don't want Reiki today. This is a horse that I did Reiki all the time with, and he was normally very open. I respected that, and I walked away. And I came back the next day and he said yes again. So, um, so the permission thing is about listening and sort of thinking about is the animal aggravated, they don't want Reiki, or are they upset because I'm a human and can I sort of show them through meditation that I'm not threatening and so on. Those kind of are little nuanced things that you'll have to work out. Uh, and the more you practice, the more experience you have, the easier it will be to see um, but we saw at the Devoted Barn on day two an amazing change in the behavior. I mean, just amazing how the animals um, changed on day two and how grateful they were for the Reiki. Um, so don't give up. Um, respect the animal's decision if they say no, but, but don't give up. Hang in there because um, they may really want the Reiki but have a lot of stuff to work through to get there. Um, so that's why the other language that I use when I talk about permission is I use the word offering. So it's something you offer, and that kind of uh, means that you're, they don't have to take it. You're offering it. They don't have to take it. I also love the word sharing because that brings us back to that idea of partnership, and I'm probably going to receive maybe even more healing <laughs> than, I'm, than I can offer because animals are so so amazing in that way. So being receptive to what I can learn from the animal and receive is also important. So I love that word sharing. And the other thing that I do sometimes is when I set my intention at the beginning of a treatment, um, instead of saying, oh, would you like Reiki today? I will dedicate, I'll say like I dedicate all the energy created by this meditation practice to these animals. And then I will go inward to my meditation and just imagine I'm radiating this, this beautiful light of healing and it's completely up to the animals to take it or leave it. So the idea of dedicating your practice and that also for me is a great way for you to let go of what they're doing and worrying about how they're responding because you're just doing the practice and then it's completely up to them. So whether we talk about permission, offering, sharing, or dedicating, all of these approaches have one thing in common. And this is really, really important. They all empower the animal that we work with versus forcing our own agenda on them, even if we mean well. Because the healing truly is up to the animal. They're going to heal themselves. We can't do it for them. Reiki will help us to mirror back to the animals their beautiful, strong inner light so that they are empowered to truly heal. So when we go deeper into the state of mind of empowering the animals, you never know what amazing things might happen. And I want to read this beautiful story from Reiki for Dogs. It's on page 159 of Reiki for Dogs. If you have that book, you can look it up later. And this is a um, case history about a dog named Casey. And it was um, written by Leah D'Ambrosio, who's the vice president of Shelter Animal Reiki Association. And the challenge in this case study was that this was a shelter dog who was severely depressed. Casey's story began when she was brought to a shelter by a good Samaritan after being tied to a tree for six years. The shelter staff worked with her for several months. 
She was finally adopted, but sadly returned a couple months later. After six more months in the shelter, Casey began to crash, a phenomenon all too common in shelter dogs. She no longer wanted to eat, howled for hours after closing time, and became deeply depressed. Leah had just completed her volunteer training for special needs dogs and asked if she could work with Casey. Leah remembers, our first meeting was difficult as all Casey wanted to do was climb in my lap. After a few minutes of me reassuring her I wouldn't leave and that I was going to offer Reiki, she laid calmly half in my lap and half on the floor. She was so needy, she couldn't stand not to touch me. As the Reiki started flowing, her body relaxed and her breathing slowed down. Although she never closed her eyes, she ended the treatment more relaxed than I had seen her in a very long time. The second week, we started our session with her laying next to me and her paw laid gently on my open hand. We sat together in this beautiful Reiki space for 30 minutes or so when a couple came by to look at the information on her door. Casey glanced up but quickly closed her eyes and went back into her space. I felt the sadness and hopelessness flow out of her. She had been disappointed so many times by people. She had finally given up. As we sat there, I whispered to her that she had the power to pick the people she wanted and that she did not have to wait for someone to pick her. She kept her eyes closed and acted like she didn't hear me, so I stopped and kept the Reiki flowing. The couple finally left, and Casey and I both sighed. We'd been sitting in the Reiki space for about 10 minutes since the couple had left when a staffer came in to tell us that Casey was wanted up front by some potential adopters. I told them we were finished and whispered again to Casey that she can choose her family. Off she went to the front of the shelter, and I went to log out and end my day. As I was leaving the shelter, I had to pass Casey, her potential adopters, and a couple of shelter staff who were discussing her needs and requirements. I started walking to the side of them so I wouldn't interrupt when Casey suddenly jumped in front of me with a big doggy smile on her face and her tail wagging frantically. As clear as if someone had said it out loud, I heard, I found them. I found my new family. It was nothing short of a miracle. The next day I went to the shelter wishing I would not see her, and luckily my wish came true. I was told she was adopted by a lovely couple who had Akita experience and felt they found the perfect dog in Casey. So what a beautiful lesson how Reiki can help the true spirit of a dog come out so that it's easier for potential adopters to, to connect. And it really comes from that, that thought of empowering the animals. We empower them, and it begins with our permission. So once we set our permission to offer the treatment, then we focus inward on your meditation for 30 to 60 minutes. And within that time, you allow the animal to move freely within the space. Again, keeping your eyes open so you can respond to their needs. Um, if they want to come forward, if they want to move away, completely up to them. If we see signs of peace, relaxation, and connection, then this indicates that the animal is receptive to Reiki. So what does a typical treatment look like? I like to describe it as um, movement and ritual versus stillness and state of mind. So there's a key difference when we offer Reiki to animals versus people. People usually need the ritual of movement and touch to help them connect with energy, while animals prefer connecting from a deeper place, more of mind-to-mind or heart-to-heart connection. For example, if you visualize a human Reiki treatment, you can picture the clients laying on a massage table, the practitioners moving around them using hand positions on or just off the body, but the overall dynamic is that the The Reiki client is basically still, maybe even falling asleep, and the practitioner is moving and following a sort of physical ritual. But in the animal Reiki treatment, on the other hand, it's best for us as practitioners to sit or stand in the center of the space, remaining quiet, meditative, and just holding an open state of mind. If we try to impose a physical ritual like we do with people, that can often disturb an animal's sensibilities. And so animal treatments are most successful when we can learn how to drop the ritual and just turn our focus inward. 
And then while we hold the space, the animal moves around us. Sometimes come forward, sometimes they want hands-on contact, and so on. But the animal is guiding the movement, not the practitioner. So that's kind of the key. So animals will be our teachers because they sense the energy quite easily. For us, on the other hand, it's more difficult. So we have to let them be in charge. Their deeper knowledge of energy guides us, the practitioners, and they often show us what to do or, as I like to say, how to be Reiki. And this brings us to the next part of our code of ethics in this section, which is, I allow each animal to choose how to receive his or her treatment. Thus, each treatment could be a combination of hands-on, short distance, or distant healing, depending on the animal's preference. So my best advice for this part of the code of ethics is let go of the hands. Animal Reiki is not about hands-on healing. It's about heart-to-heart connection. And this is not easy because we like to rely on our hands. We're human. But to be successful with animals, we have to let go of the need for physical contact because it's typically not the way animals want to relate to us in a Reiki session. Now, besides that, I think if we focus too much on touch, it limits us because Reiki is so much bigger. Reiki isn't just energy that comes out of your hands and goes into whatever part you're touching. Reiki is compassion. Reiki is love. Reiki is wisdom and compassion of the universe. It's about a heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind touch. And in that case, our hands are kind of incidental. And some animals like physical touch, some, some don't. Um, but we can let them guide us and the more, just keep our, um, our mind open. The more open our mind is, the more accepting animals will be to the session. If we focus our minds on negativity, that's also not good. And so if we're focusing on touch, then we fall into a trap. We're trying to touch the parts that are injured or the parts where we think we need to fix, like if they have an emotional issue or, you know, we feel, oh, they have a broken heart, we want to put our hands on their chest over their heart and so on. So what's happening is we think, oh, I know what the animal needs, now I need to put my hands there and now I'm healing the animal's knee because they have a knee problem and, oh, the animal has an ear infection, I need to put my hands there. Now we're imposing our own thoughts and our own agenda. And the animals aren't partners anymore because we are determining what's happening. We're not listening anymore. And there's been so many times over the years that I thought that the animal needed, you know, one thing healed, but then something else was the origin of that issue and needed to be healed totally beyond what my conscious understanding was. And that leads me back to that first um, bright light meditation we did at the beginning tonight We've got to let go of our mind because Reiki is so much bigger than that. So when you are doing Reiki, don't focus on your hands. Don't put your hands up hovering over the animal like a predator. Practice sitting with your hands resting face up or face down on your lap. If it's cold, put your hands in your pockets. If you're standing, hang your hands at your side. Then allow the animals to come to you, not the other way around. They'll show you um, what kind of touch they want. They'll show you where they want to be touched. Um, horses will even move exactly to the different areas. And so that's, it's actually quite fascinating. If you uh, let the animals show you um, the ones that do like touch, they might even go through a whole series of um, areas, you know, putting certain parts of their body into your hands, which is really um, so cool when that happens. Which leads us to the next section of our code of ethics, which is this. I let go of my expectations about how the treatment should progress and how the animal should behave during treatment, and I simply trust Reiki. So this is really about um, developing patience and remembering that there's really no need to touch 
that the power of presence and an open heart is the ultimate healing. And um, just to stay positive and open is the most important qualities um, that we can hold. And so we can only really do that without expectation. So there's a couple of little stories that I want to share with you. One of them is about the power of presence and an open heart, which is really the ultimate healing. And this is from um, Everything Animal Vicky. And this is from page seven, A Story of Physical Healing. There was a kitten one day in the shelter where I was volunteering. He'd been poisoned. His mother had somehow ingested poison, and then the babies had nursed, and so there were three kittens and the mom. By the time I got there, two of the kittens and the mom had already died, and there was this one kitten left, and he was in pretty bad shape. He was very listless and couldn't open his eyes. He couldn't stand up and was just lying there. The staff person said to me, well, we're not sure he's going to make it, but we want to give him a little time. Can you sit with him and do Reiki? So I sat outside the little cage, and after several minutes, the kitten tried to open his eyes and tried to move his head, and he leaned forward, and I could see. He saw. He knew. He could sense I was there, because, of course, animals are so much more sensitive than people, and he was asking for healing. So I opened the cage door. I put my hands in. I cupped my hands around him, and he leaned his tiny little head on the side of my hand. And he was tiny enough that I could easily fit him just within my hand. And I have very small hands. <laughs> he was just a teeny tiny little thing. He curled right up and leaned his little head against me and slept. After about 45 minutes, he woke up. I moved my hands away. He opened his eyes and looked right at me with his very bright eyes and meowed a tiny little meow, stretched and went over and drank water. Amazing. And with just one treatment of 45 minutes, it was literally as if he had come back from the brink of death with nothing except Reiki. What is more powerful than being present with an open heart and compassion for another being? Isn't that the ultimate healing? And this is what we do as Reiki practitioners. So, you know, in that treatment with that kitten, I had to let go of, well, you know, what was the outcome going to be? Was he going to pass away when I was there with him? Very possible. I wasn't, I didn't know. Um, but, you know, he empowered himself and healed himself and it was a miracle and it was beautiful to see. So the more that we let go of our expectations, the more we can um, see these beautiful kinds of um, miracles. So I want to um, read the other side of the coin and this story is about transition and um, even if an animal, their time has come, it can still be, Reiki can create the most beautiful healing miracles, even in a passing. And this is from uh, my Heart to Heart with Horses book. This is on page 69. It's about a horse named Nikki. One special horse at Brighthaven named Nikki taught many students about positivity. Nikki was what I like to call a Reiki sponge. She loved Reiki so much that she would fall asleep almost immediately whenever any of us would go into the pasture to share Reiki. Nikki had severe arthritis and had difficulty moving around. The first response many students had when they saw her was, oh, the poor thing. However, after meditating with her, you couldn't help but smile. She was such a sweet spirit. Although Nikki's body continued to weaken and eventually gave out, her heart was so gentle and open that everyone who spent time with her could feel her peacefulness and love. Even in her passing, she brought peaceful gifts, beautiful gifts of peace and freedom to those around her. Richard Pope, co-founder of Brighthaven, remembers his last moments with Nikki. He says, I settled down, comfortable in my vigil, with arms wrapped lightly around Nikki's neck and my head resting gently thereon. We were at peace there together in the still, early, morning, cold air. It was then that I suddenly became aware of a single gray dove who had landed just a few feet away from Nikki's great head and seemed to be gazing right at us both. Time passed, and eventually the dove turned and gently flew westward toward the horizon while we watched with never a movement until she could be seen no more. Suddenly, 
Nikki leaned her great head back and around to stare deeply into my eyes for several moments. She then turned her head again in the direction of the dove, at which time her legs began to gently run. She looked back intently at my face one more time, turned again, and left forever. So Reiki helps us look deeper than the surface of things. It's more easy for us to be in touch with our heart and to realize that our heart journey continues beyond this lifetime that we see with our eyes and how wonderful to be able to see death as a journey into spirit rather than an ending. For when we look deeper than the surface, we can see that we're never truly separated from each other when we're connecting through our hearts. And so that leads me um, to the last section of the Code of Ethics um, that we'll talk about tonight. And this is, I accept the results of the treatment without judgment and with gratitude towards Reiki and the animal's openness and participation in the process. And so we're going to finish with uh, meditation here. This is the White Rose Meditation. So I'd like you to take a moment to relax and to breathe and bring to mind an animal you'd like to share healing with and see them here with you right now and feel your connection. And breathing in and breathing out Just relaxing. And now I'd like you to imagine your mind as a beautiful white rosebud with many petals curled up, representing each different thought you have about your animal and all of their health issues. Now see that rosebud there in your mind. And now I'd like you to imagine you can drop this rosebud from your mind down into your heart and allow at your heart all the petals now to relax and open into the most wise and beautiful flower. And as this white rose opens in your heart, allow yourself to let go of all the judgments, worries, fears, need to control or fix issues, just let it all go. And imagine the rose at your heart is surrounded in a beautiful sphere of light that shines out from your being. And this light is so pure and so bright that all worry, fear, or imbalance is instantly dissipated and dissolved. And I'd like you to chant the mantra, thank you, in your mind as you visualize the light at your heart rippling out into the universe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And imagine your animal's heart is also a beautiful rose with opening petals shining out. And together your two lights become one and sit in that beautiful, bright, and open space with your animal. If you feel thoughts coming up, distractions, worries, or fears, Start again with the rosebud in your mind. Drop it into your heart and open the petals. Imagine that each thought can let go into the light as each petal opens. And notice how full your heart feels as your rose becomes more and more open. 
letting go of your thoughts and just sharing that beautiful heart space with your animal. And take a moment now to thank your animal for connecting with you in this beautiful space. And setting your intention to finish, take a nice deep breath and slowly come back and open your eyes. It's important to always finish every Reiki session in this space of gratitude with the animal. So always, as you set your intention to finish, always remember to thank the animal for their participation connection. However they chose to show that, it's always perfect. Sometimes we want so much to help our animals when we see that they're worried or we see that they're suffering from illness or maybe they had a trauma in their past. And so it can be very difficult to let go of our anger and worry and find gratitude in moments like that. But through our daily Reiki practice, we can begin to create a beautiful space of healing. So remember that Reiki time with your animal is a time to stop doing and to start being. It's a time to open our hearts and be present with loving kindness. The power of loving kindness and being is extremely strong. There is no greater power than compassion. So don't underestimate the power of being with your animal to help them to heal. So Reiki starts with a shift of our own inner space and ripples out to others. In reality, Reiki is not a system about doing anything. It's a way of learning how to be in the world with our animals in both happy times and in difficult moments. It's a way of learning how to be balanced, peaceful, and full of love. Simply breathe, nurture awareness, find gratitude, and radiate compassion. No trauma or illness is so deep that it cannot be healed by the power of love. And this is the real Reiki space that heart-to-heart connection creates. So remember, as we finish now this section of the Code of Ethics about being with our animals, our greatest healing power lies not in what we do to our animals, but in how we are when we are with them. Okay, so I'm going to unmute you guys now. And open it up for any questions or comments from the lesson today. Hi, Kathleen. I had a question. Yes. This is Sue from Sebastopol. So, hi, hi. So when we are um, imagining an animal to invite into our Reiki space. Um, mm-hmm. How does the, the issue of permission work if it's an, an animal? Just I have two examples. So I, I did my cat care orientation at the um, Sonoma Humane Society yesterday, and there's certain cats that are really lingering in my mind that I wanted to invite in. And then Mm -hmm. I recently met someone who has a cat who has some anxiety issues and is obsessively grooming um, herself Mm -hmm. to the point of her fur um, coming off of her body. So, So for those two examples, do I need permission to invite those animals into the Reiki space? How how does that work when it's like a distance? So, yeah, when it's distance, it's harder to to feel and sense 
at least at first. But with more practice, mm-hmm. you, can, you can begin to feel that connectedness even when they're not physically present. So what you can do is really just dedicate the practice to the animal and just focus on the practice, and, mm-hmm. it, and then it's totally up to them. And in time, you will feel, you'll either feel a connectedness to them or you'll just focus on your practice. But even if you can't feel the connection, it can still, they can still access it because they feel a lot more than we do. So when you bring them into your heart and your mind and offer that, they can sense that. And so, so even I, if we're, so like, I don't, I don't, we're like, I don't know if, if she's taking it or not taking it. I don't know, but it's just up to her. And she, they can, she can feel that invitation. So, so, so my question is more, so I, don't, I wouldn't have to ask, for example, the animal who was uh, the, the person of the animal who's groom, grooming excessively. I don't need to ask that person for permission. Oh, there. I see. Sorry, I misunderstood that's your question. Yes, that's a great question. You do, if it's a privately, um, you know, animal with a, a privately held animal with a home and guardians, then you, you would want to ask them and you would want to set up a time when you send it where the person can sit with their animal and be a part of the healing process. That's the best way to do it. Okay, and then, then what about shelter animals? Do I have to ask permission from the shelter staff, or can I, how does that and work then, with shelter animals? And then shelter animals, the best thing you can do is if you're a volunteer at a shelter, but maybe you're not really doing Reiki specifically with them, but you can share with them that you do Reiki, um, you know, even though, let's say, you're walking dogs or cleaning cages or whatever, and so you're not, you're, you're being Reiki while you do all of that, of course. Um, but you can let them know. I, I mean, I would. I would say, hey, you know, I'm um, a Reiki practitioner, and that's not what I'm really doing while I'm volunteering, but I would like to offer distant healing to the animals. And that way they can um, email you and let you know, can you send some healing to this animal and that animal? And then when the animal gets better, they're going to know why. And so that's mm-hmm. going to help you then to be able to to do better with, you know, them valuing what you do. If we do Reiki in the closet, then when these animals make miraculous recoveries and get adopted suddenly and all this kind of stuff, then nobody understands. They just think, oh, it's a miracle, and they don't understand that Reiki played a part in that, and so you can't build your relationship there um, Mm -hmm. and do do even better. So I I always say to to try to be as um, forward about it as, as possible. And most of the time, if they don't understand that distant Reiki works, they'll realize it, well, it can't hurt. So they'll probably say yes, even if they think you're crazy. <laughs> okay. And then and then over time when they start to go, oh, that's weird. Every time she does distant Reiki on these animals, they seem to get better. You know, it, it may take six months, nine months, a year, but, you know, Reiki will speak for itself at some point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I never, I never encourage people to do Reiki um, on the fly because then it seems like it's not a legitimate um, profession. And I really encourage all of you to get out there in the world as professionals and to really, you know, that's one of the reasons the Code of Ethics is here is to really show people and tell people this is a, a very um, valuable service um, and, um, you know, from my heart. And I want you to know about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I take it very seriously and I pride myself on the ethical, um, you know, gentle ethical methods that I use. So I think, I think it's good to be, um, you know, outward about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Reiki on the sly. I don't want to do Reiki on the sly. Yeah. No, no. I don't think <laughs> yeah. so. But having said that, you know, if you're just talking about your way of being in the world, I'm talking about formal sessions. But if, right. But I want you to be Reiki every minute of every day. So if you're walking mm-hmm. through the street or you're walking, you know, somewhere in the animals that cross your paths, you can be Reiki, which means that you're shining love and compassion and you're really um, sprinkling 
healing lights everywhere you go. I mean, that's a beautiful way to be in the world. That's a, mm-hmm. a different thing than sitting down and offering a formal session, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good questions. Any other questions or comments before we finish tonight? Well, thank you all for being here tonight. I hope you enjoyed the lesson. And um, next week it will be same time, same channel. (laughs) But I'll try to remember to send you guys um, a reminder. And um, I hope you enjoyed. Maybe you can practice some of the meditations we did tonight. Practice them this week. See what you think. Feel free to email me with how um, the class is going and any questions that come up. And uh, hope you all have a beautiful evening. Blessings, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Kathy. Good night. Thank you. You're welcome. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.